Hey, this is Ross Baden with Role Playing Public Radio. This is RPPR Game Designer Workshop. Uh, this is not the old defunct game company. This is, in fact, a ongoing series about uh, game design. And uh, with me uh, for not every episode, but most of them is Caleb. I mean, I'm just like mostly defunct. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, you're you're actually funked. I mean, at, it may not feel at like any it. given time. I would not call myself more than like 25 percent funked. I, that's still I the think, rest is I'm, I'm clearly be, a majority defunct. No, it's it's a binary thing. I think you oh, it, you have okay. to be at zero percent to be defunct. All right. If there's just a little bit of funked, you're there's still, no funked dimmer switch. No, no, right. no. It's 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 just you're it's all or nothing. So, yeah, you're still on the funked side. You're binary thinking, Peyton. <laughs> um, yeah. So this scenario or this uh, episode is about scenarios, actually systemless scenarios specifically, uh, because I want to announce my next crowdfunding campaign and i'm saying crowdfunding campaign because i am not using kickstarter for this but uh the night clerk uh not my haunted music review podcast but the uh scenario i ran many years ago on rppr actual play uh of architectural horror and got me on my whole thing about architectural horror uh and uh, i'm publishing it as a systemless uh horror rpg scenario zine uh so that's a lot of words but i'm using backer kit because uh, backer kit is now available for any any person with a computer uh, who would just just make a campaign and promise things and hopefully people will give me money for it. <laughs> so that's how it works. Uh, so, yeah, the it'll be launching, I think, around September 4th, the beginning of September. Uh, there will be a link on the show notes of this uh, episode to the backer kit uh, pre-launch page where you can get an email, put in your email and you'll get notified when the campaign launches. Um, and so this is, this is going to be a pretty modest campaign, you know, um, 10 bucks for the PDF, 20 bucks for the print thing. And there'll be a full color zine. Um, and it will be uh, probably around 44 pages of uh, architectural horror. And so, um, but I want to begin be by talking, this is a systemless scenario. The idea is that you can run this, in any modern horror RPG setting. I mean, something set in the real world, ostensibly, because the the premise is you go into a hotel, you check in, it's a normal hotel. But when you wake up, you're trapped in a labyrinth that looks like the hotel. But the more you explore, the weirder it gets and you have to find a way out. And that's the premise of the scenario. So you can't really work in a fantasy game or like a sci fi game because, well, I mean, you could, but it would take more work. It is it it, it assumes that the PCs have like thing know about things like cars and cell phones and uh have may have guns but like yeah you're not going to have magic spell well you might have magic spells but like yeah um that that's the premise and of course i was inspired to take this approach because i didn't want to write for a particular system uh because that limits things uh also you know licensing and ogl stuff and i didn't want to make a something uh compatible with the world's most popular role-playing game system uh so uh but uh, caleb you inspired me to do this uh because of uh, no security Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, everything compatible with the world's most popular role playing game because like fire's compatible with everything. <laughs> like, when it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's smart. Yeah. You shouldn't combine those things. Yeah. Boy, howdy, you can <laughs> at any point to disastrous results. I'm yeah. compatible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, with yeah. fire. <laughs> oh, no. Wait. I don't want to be. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So before we get into like what my approach was like, uh, what, so no security is a, a, a series of 1930s, great depression era, uh, horror scenarios. Yes. The very first RPG thing I ever did and published. Yeah. And, um, in brief, kind of what was your approach to handling this? Because the thing about a system scenario is you can't like write out specific stats for characters or entities, uh, unless you make them up in a way that can be used in the RPG, right? Like that's, um, so what was your, over, what was your overall philosophy? And like, if you can, well, yeah. m- my approach is that at the, I, I was very new to RPGs and, um, never really got unnew in regards to my system mastery when running them. Mm-hmm. And I found that like at any given point, uh, when we were playing something, uh, I, I prefer to discard um, hit points if the characters did something cool mm-hmm. or if they had a good idea or if um, I didn't want there to be a complete anticlimax in the scenario. Um, and then at that point, I realized I was sort of game designing on the fly 
outside of the system. And that seemed to me just a thing that good GMs do. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was just like, well, I don't know how RPG publishing works. I don't have the rights to anything. And I don't know anybody who can tell me about all that stuff in a way. Uh, And I also haven't proved myself as being worth that time. Um, So I figured I could write it in such a way that it was compatible with uh, multiple things. Because while um, game mechanics can be vastly different and system does matter... Uh, as I say in the beginning of um, no security system does matter, but not that much because yeah. um, it is primary, uh, primarily a genre emulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as long as you are not systemless and genreless, um, just by writing it as a series of events that could happen connected through play with, you know, the success. Uh, and that's why I use flow charts a lot. Like, mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to success gate certain ways out and not success gate other ways out, but that's dice or cards or whatever resolution system, your Jenga towers, whatever resolution system you're doing. Um, you are ultimately just going between plot points though. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just basic scenario design. Um, and then you just write it like you color it. Like if it's sanity rending, you should describe it as such in case there's a mechanic like that. If it can fly, say it can fly and let them render that does and like whatever grid combat they want to bring to a horror game like idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a matter of uh, realizing the common genre tropes that are going to be emulated mm-hmm. in nearly every system and then making sure you're giving the person reading the scenario, the game master um, enough of those tags in your description that they can, you know, as an expert in the system sort of translate it on the fly. Yeah. Uh, and that it was actually something I was very preoccupied with in the night clerk because I, uh, one of the things I do is actually write out like mental and physical health threats as like a level one, two, three. And then I put at the beginning of the game, like, um, a, uh, what would you call it? Um, like level one, level two, level three, and like say this is a level one physical threat. This is and this and then I, at the beginning of the game, I have like or the scenario, I say a level one threat is like a punch or like a minor injury, and like a level two threat is serious, and level three is almost like fatal. Like those are sort of like guidelines, and then I do a similar thing for mental health threats, um, because yeah, different systems have different ways of portraying like trauma, physical and mental, right, and emotional. Um, and, but my overall approach was like this, the scenario is about being trapped in a maze. Like that's the core you want. you you find yourself in this place that you want to get out of and you don't know how it works, how the place works or why you're here or how to get out most importantly, or how to survive because you don't have much in the way of resources. Um, so my philosophy of that was like, well, I'll just create a new game, like mini game for it. Uh, because it's investigative and exploratory, but it's also open-ended because like, I don't like, it's an infinite maze. Like that's how I describe it. And, uh, so I can't like map it all out. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's a supplementary system. Only this supplementary system generates plot instead of like a random roll table of a hundred things you'd find in Mm -hmm. a modern. I do have some random tables, but yeah. And that's fine. And that's, you know, that's there, but like, um, it's not like, a gear supplement. It's mm-hmm. not like um, cold weather or mass combat rules meant to like yeah. staple on to other mechanics that don't resolve things at scale. Yeah. Um, it's just a plot generator that's going to generate that night's session. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what I did is I basically created, like, I kind of pulled a little bit from Gumshoe that I created clue points. And like, basically I say anytime the player characters explore a space or they investigate something, they should get some amount of clue points Mm -hmm. and then they can spend the clue points to gain information about stuff. So, and that can be like, the first thing is you, you find out that there are clue points in this scenario and that like you, you can, that's what you need to do is keep exploring and moving on to find, uh, gather this resource and then spend it to like, Oh, there are ways out, but there's more than one. And then you need, and then, but you can also spend the clue points to find out like, Oh, there's weird artifacts, items that you could actually use. Uh, and then, uh, or there's, there's weird monsters. Well, how do they work? Well, you can gain, you can spend your clue points to figure out what the monsters do and like how, how to stop them. Uh, and so they're mechanical choice points without resolution systems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause just to be clear, as a guy who's written for games that are published and are like written in stone and have had multiple editions, 
Um, you can't be clear enough about a rule that somebody won't throw it out and do what they want to do anyway. Yeah, um, that's true. That is that is the way of gamers. Like you can't give them the permission to do it or permission not to do it in a way that they will listen to you. If they want to run it in Mage, they're gonna that's run exactly it in Mage. That's exactly what I was fucking yeah. thinking of. Like, yeah. Um, and so at that regard, um, when you write a systemless scenario, that's really what you're doing. You're establishing like choice points and a randomizer of plot or theme or something of that nature. Investigation, perhaps. Uh, with your clue points, but you're just refusing to assign the specific resolution and modifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, like that, that makes it uh, more applicable as a scenario to people who are GMs in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, it, it also like saves you time doing something that's fundamentally pointless when you think about it too hard in terms of actual execution of gaming tables. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, what we're referring to is uh, one of the scenarios in No Security. Uh, it's called the Red Tower, I think. Yes. And it's uh, basically very body horror. Lots of we're spider punk, really, like like gross monsters eating, you know, dead cows and people and stuff like that. And like the all these scenarios are meant to be like you're normal people, like you're just regular ass people in the Great Depression. You might have guns or special skills, but you and that like that all of these scenarios are written with these assumptions. What if you were a secret Illuminati Council of Wizard. Wizards yeah. that ruled behind the sh- scenes yeah. of or all of human history. Or you were against the fucking Agent Smith, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and you know what? I hope they had a great game. Yeah, no. And 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 if I had written it in Call of Cthulhu or some other system, uh, a I would have been paying Chaosium money they don't deserve, and b <laughs> uh, I, I it would have been harder for that person to translate it into Mage. Yeah, yeah. And I I got out of the way. You yeah, know, that's what I tell myself. I think that, yeah, that's the main thing. Um, so, and, and for me, of course, like, uh, the night clerk is, uh, I, I had to think a lot about like, uh, uh, one, these mechanics and two, just providing a framework. Um, and so the player character, like, I didn't like get to, I was thinking about like doing like resource management of like food and water and like supplies, but I was like, that's too granular for a game like that. Well, because, again, it it depends on what system people are running it in. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, and I described something like the idea is like doors can lead to different places like these pocket universes, as I call them. And I described some of them, but I didn't like want to like do 50 pages of pocket universes because it's like people are just going to make their own. Right. Like, no, not not a gamer, (laughs) not the fundamentally interactive activity. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, for me, the hardest thing was figuring out like the theme of this and the, you know, architectural horror has kind of been like over, it was, you know, a vague term is, is a vague term. Um, and liminal horror is kind of like overlaps it to a degree, right? Like at least in the, the ideas of people, cause of the backrooms have become so popular. And if you don't know what the backrooms are, it's a whole thing. It's all just look up. What is the backrooms on YouTube? And you could find explainer videos, but, um, I feel like there's a different saying like um, recently I was on the uh, rookery uh, and they had a live stream and we talked about architectural horror and I sort of like and I've been thinking about it since then, too. And so architectural horror is horror about intent and intent being corrupted in a lot of ways, because architecture is about taking a space and putting intent on it. You're designing a space to serve a function of some kind. And this can be practical. It could be ritual. It could be any number of reasons. It could be a garden. It could be a building. And the building is built for a reason. You don't, you know, it's not randomly happening like a cave in nature does. Um, And haunted house movies or stories are architectural horror because they happen in a space. And it's about the, the home, a, a place of design to be safe and comfortable and a place to live and recover from. Um, and, and, uh, you know, your, your castle, your personal castle has become corrupted by violence or some sort of crime. And, you know, it's about cleansing that corruption or like dealing with that or that corruption overtaking usually a family or whatever. Um, and, so how does that translate into RPGs? You can't just have, it's a weird place. Yeah. And so like things happen, you know, I had to design an intent to it. So like I was very vague, but I went cosmic horror. Like it's a place, uh, uh, you know, it's an extra dimensional space that was used by a human who found out about it and, you know, a human manipulated it for his own reasons. Um, it was also like an abandoned cosmic horror, like universe and, uh, uh, basically a wizard did it, but you know, cosmic horror wise. Um, and I don't know, like, 
Well, I th- again, I don't you, know how much backstory I should have included. Like, I didn't include much because, like, did you identify the genre? Yeah. Then you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, there's not, there's, you can't design. I'm, I'm going to be fully in the camp that you, I don't think you can design a systemless just horror scenario. Oh, yeah. Or I don't think you can design a systemless just sci fi, like, applicable to all of it. Yeah. Like, I can do it in Dune, our Star Wars, our Altered Carbon. Yeah. Yeah. Or space balls. Like, I don't think <laughs> I don't think that's what anyone had in mind. I think yeah. that's you trying to, like, probably make it broader than it can handle. Um, and I don't think you're trying to do that. So, like, yeah, you got to pick Cosmic Horror because it's not a, a systemless serial killer hunt and it's not a systemless psychological horror and it's not a systemless uh splatter punk, you know, mm-hmm. kind of horror. Like, you know, you do have to narrow it down because, again, you know, there are mechanics that are predictable for the tropes of individual genres. But when you broaden it to like entire consumer categories, like (laughs) horror or fiction or like anything like that, I mean, and you're trying to write that to appease everyone that's going to do the systemless thing. And I think you're like, a, I think you're like wasting time because yeah. if they want to take it outside that gate, they're going to, whether you want it or not. Yeah. And then um, secondly, I think the other thing is that, um, it's just making a harder job for yourself because you could write far more succinctly if you just accepted the tropes of the genres that you're trying to emulate and left out the ones you weren't. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I yeah. Writing games is a weird thing, right? Because you're especially scenarios because you're writing like half of a story like or two thirds of a story and you just like you feel and the purpose is to write something that people can fill in the blank on the rest with, uh-huh. with, through play. Um, and, and with a systemless thing with a very vague, like it's a, it's dungeon crawling, but there's no map. There's no dungeon. It's also like, yeah, very derivative. Uh, you know, I I don't want to call it plunder phonics for, for narrative, but you are essentially like rifling through archetypes of popular established fixed media stories. Yeah. Be they, you know, literature or film or TV and you're sorting, finding ways to anonymize and, uh, you know, democratize that mm-hmm. uh, in various places by like either making it genre first and removing the IP label for it, like, you know, early traveler and stuff like that, or, um, you know, uh, any number of other things. Not to say there aren't completely original role playing game settings. There are. But um, I think. Just like I'm not going to say that there aren't stories that are written and set in stone in an RPG scenario. There's lore of the background that happened mm-hmm. before your character showed up. There's meta lore of things if you have a setting or something like that. Um, but to say that they are primarily like it's all raw new creation or it's all my story. It's just like <laughs> not the ability to understand a percent and a majority of those percents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, so yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Plunder phonics for narrative is kind of, I like that. What you yeah, end up yeah. doing, you're sort of rifling through the pockets of um, abandoned mm-hmm. genre literature for uh, fantasies. People would like to engage in themselves. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I was rifling through my own stuff too. Cause like a lot of the night clerk is stuff like work. I had been, basically trying to you know butt my head up against the wall and ruin the architectural horror rpg which has a very similar premise in fact it's basically the same i just decided i could not come up with a standalone rpg uh for ruin and or a system for it and i decided to rewrite it as a systemless scenario because um yeah I, i mean that's the thing is like ruin i had a lot of very particular ideas and i just realized i couldn't um get them done. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get them in a way satisfying. I couldn't figure out the mechanics satisfying, you know, in a satisfying way. Right. Uh, that, that would, that would play in a satisfying way. And I tried many play tests over the last couple of years, but, uh, and I had some ideas that, uh, I was going to play test, but then the pandemic in 2020 happened and that kind of shut things down. And I re and this, the, the zine, uh, started in 2020, uh, after, uh, like, yeah, mid, mid 2020 is when I started work on the, uh, night clerk as a, as a zine. So a lot of this is just an adaptation of my own stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like, um, 
there's not many. I haven't seen many other systemless scenarios out there, though. Uh, aside, well, yeah, I didn't want to talk about this because yeah. it's not a lot of narrative dissonance. I'm not going to break out the domestic gross calipers <laughs> and like get to the get yeah. to the profit chart and say how good the game is based on the diameter. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's not financially a successful move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it removes a marketing category. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Night Clerk Radio, mm-hmm. uh, a, a completely different thing about yeah. a completely different subject. Uh, you and Burke often uh, talk about um, the idea of genre as strictly commercial mm-hmm. advertisement. Mm-hmm. And um, guess what? When you obliterate the system, you have lost an entire category of uh, commercial advertisement and yeah, uh, Mark, because there are people who will look actively for scenarios for a specific system. Yeah, um, but they're the alpha GM that is just like I've read all those. I need to start grabbing things from other places. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they often look for different systems mm-hmm. instead of like systemless things. So uh, it's not a very easy to discover category in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. You're sort of removing a search term from the Boolean out of the gate. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's true. I feel like though I am adding another one in because this is a zine and zines are hot, you know? Uh, well, there you go. Yeah. 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 So I got that's that, true. I got that going for me at least. You're, you got a different buzzword on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, so yeah, I have the, the, the clue system, uh, uh, which is just sort of basic resource management for information. It's, and there's guidelines for like, once they get a certain number of clues that they've unlocked this, like part of their pro like there's, you know, uh, different escape paths and they have different, you need certain clue points to get them. Uh, I, I do put like sort of guidance, like how to escalate those. Cause I feel like that's, um, I put several pages of advice of like, at this point, you should only do these kind of things, but at this point you should start ramping things up. And at this point you need to go all out because I feel like that's the hardest thing to get in like horror, right? Is the pacing, uh, for like how creepy and how intense things should be at any given time. Um, and I, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I don't remember. Do you add, I mean, no security is that's all from the investigation. Cause it's like you follow this lead and it gives you three more leads and you, you flow charted out. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I flow charted it. Yeah. If you see this, you could know to go here or there or, and if by the time you get to this point in the flow chart, like the bad guys will react this way or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, the, but this is like, I can't do that. Cause it's not like a, a singular mystery that, it, I mean, it is a mystery, but you can't like, plotted out in this way because i made it like it's architectural horror it's an infinite maze yay like uh, um yeah uh but i do have a lot of that i also added a new monster which i call the mystery guest and he's a little dude on the front cover uh which i like um i am going to i'm still like the text is mostly done but um when you were designing, you designed like at least uh, two new monsters for no security, right? Or was there three or four? I can't remember. I think they were all like the, they, the, they were all monsters. The like, thing that inspired it was the first time I ran Bryson Springs. Mm-hmm. And when you asked what short story from Lovecraft it was from, like, I don't know. I just made some shit up. I don't really like Lovecraft. And you all stared at me like I just took a shit on the table yeah. and. <laughs> Like I not cared. Like, I was impressed. Like holy shit, that was good. Like yeah, no, like you guys, you recovered. Yeah. Like you said nice things, and I was glad. But like you're just like it, the fact that it didn't occur to you as something that was going or could or was even likely to happen in a yeah. scenario was just like wow, damn, is that easy? Like yeah. shit, and like what a twist in uh, my Shyamalan. I made something up in the fiction. I, <laughs> I mean, that's, that, yeah, that's a, yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, I, I was so that's the thing is I was re, I was too immersed in Call of Cthulhu uh, scenarios because every fucking Call of Cthulhu published scenario is like, oh no, it's really uh, it, it's got this genealogy thing, right? Of like, oh, we can trace it all yep. the way back to Daloth or, or or Deep Woods or this or that, and like you you have to have that connection mm-hmm. uh, to be a published scenario. Um, I mean, there are now it's changed, but like yeah, ten years ago it was like. And yeah. and since yeah. I started it, my incession has been like, if it's eternity and it's cosmic and it's big, maybe some stuff has developed or been discovered since 1930, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, 
And uh, I've always tried. So yeah, everything in there was new, but like back to the marketing thing. I mean, that's your demographic. Mm -hmm. Your demographic is the guy who's read every call of Cthulhu scenario and Jesus Christ, what do I do to keep these people entertained? Uh, Or, or in that genre of a different game, like Mm -hmm. they've done every unknown army scenario and they, they want to do an unknown army scenario, but they don't want to get out the fucking murder board and all the yarn to do the campaign planning. Mm -hmm. Um, hey, this seems kind of weird postmodern magic-y. We'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, I mean, that's your target demographic is yeah. that sort of uh, well, at the bottom of the barrel uh, yeah, yeah, GM yeah. For, for an IP in the genre. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, the mystery guest, that's the name I use for the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, I, I think I've shown you the, 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 the front cover image, like it's a dude with like a portal in, in him, like mm-hmm. ripping him open. Um, and I think it's a, a monster that would appeal to those decadent, uh, those jaded, uh, call <laughs> Cthulhu GMs. Uh, I don't want to say that. De- yeah. Uh, decadent. Um, the, because the thing is I, I did design it as kind of a mental thing because, um, I thought like physical threats are like done. Scary monster eats, eats you, rips you apart, you know, disintegrates you, whatever that's, that's been done. So, uh, the mystery guest specifically targets, the mental health, the sanity of mm. its victims. Um, and the, the way I describe it is basically its gimmick is it'll approach you and try to grab you and pull you into its portal. And when you, when you get pulled into the portal, I call them puzzle rooms. I, I used, I, in an earlier draft, I called them psyche crucibles because you got to have make up a new, uh, term for things, right? Like as a gamer, but I, I settled on puzzle room because the idea is there is a, you're trapped in a room, uh, with a locked door and that's the locked door is the only way out and you, you they're they're indestructible the only thing you can get you out is the key and the key is always you have to solve a puzzle but the puzzle is not like a normal like oh i can solve this through logic or reason you have to do something that you would think is impossible and um the like the the, the one of the examples i use is like you the key is visible in a uh uh large uh, vat and in, in, but the vat is full of bubbling ass and you've put like your, you know, you rip off a part of your shirt or, or throw in a piece of uh, paper, whatever it melts. And you're like, well, how the fuck do I get it out? And no matter how hard you try, you cannot get it out unless you reach in. And when you reach in, you are not harmed by the acid. It hurts everything else, but your flesh. And so like, this is this incongruity is going to like cause you to, you know, uh, freak you out, you know, scare you. Like, how is this happening? And so the idea is the mystery guest wants to keep grabbing you and pulling you in to make you question what is real and what, it, what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, because the idea is like the, the entire, the, the, this entire, uh, uh, labyrinth, uh, that is the, the, the night hotel basically, um, is designed to break your mind. And when you break your mind, you get transformed into a mystery guest. So it is a, so that is the intent of the place, at least now is to turn humans into, uh, mystery guests into monsters, uh, and to absorb them in another words. And, um, and I presented six, you know, there's multiple examples in the book, in the, in the zine, but obviously you can make up your own. Um, but that's the, the gimmick is to have an encounter, um, and to create tension by like, oh, you have to do something that doesn't make sense. And like, um, and so I think, yeah, and I've done some play testing and it seems to work pretty well, uh, at least so far, I'm going to be doing more play testing, but. Uh, obviously I'm recording these two and that'll be uh, a reward for backers is to, to get those uh, uh, actual plays and everything. Um, but yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I, I would just ask you, yeah, what do you, d- does this work for you or like, uh, yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I think the, the point crawl of creepy rooms is like the entire selling point of Bluebeard's bride in a mm-hmm. big way. Oh uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I think it can, um, really be good as a way to sort of auto generate and procedurally generate some mm-hmm. sort of horror scenario. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. And the other thing is, is like, you don't sound like you're doing the, the other danger of that, um, which is uh, making it so procedurally generated. Yeah. And so sort of light on detail that it quickly turns into like, um, uh, Arabian Nights randomization silliness. Oh yeah, or yeah, yeah. um, uh, or just becomes like I don't know. You enter the Deca Marathon. What is that? 
it's just the word like i don't know where it's at like the the gm gets stuck and like yeah. oh it's the psychic maelstrom you know yeah, flip, yeah. flip 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 yeah. flip yeah like um that's the other side of that coin is mm-hmm. instead of defining too much you stay too vague and it seems like you're striking a happy medium yeah, yeah i mean yeah that's that that's the goal uh, and obviously i'll be tweaking this and uh, backers will get a, a, a um beta of it uh after the campaign concludes uh so you can look it over and obviously <laughs> do some typo hunting before i send it to the printers um but yeah i i i want to give people like because I, I think the main reason i wanted to do this is because architectural horror is such like it's such a cool idea for horror. Right. And like to focus on a place and the, the, you know, how space affects us and how that can be horrifying. And, uh, but it's so under util- despite RPGs being about architecture in a lot of ways, dungeons, you know, fucking dungeon crawls. Um, it's under, underutilized in RPGs, especially horror RPGs, because like, um, I mean, most horror RPGs are like, I mean, no, uh, uh, no security is like monster of the week. Like here, here's a monster and you have to figure out what it does and how to stop it. Um, or it's a murder, but inv- it's an investigation. It's a Columbo thing. Like you got to figure out who done it, you know, mm-hmm. basically. Um, or you just have to like, uh, kill a bunch of monsters. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, crawl through this place and kill every fucking monster or as many of them. Um, or it, but like those, they're not like focused on a uncanny space that, uh, affects us. Like there's not many, like there's a, there's a very, there's a dearth of like haunted house scenarios where it's like, put a ghost to rest, you know, or, uh, you know, there's no house. There's not really a house of leaves scenario as far as I know, but I mean, house of leaves would be fucking hard to do. Uh, in a in a scenario, and this is because yeah, you have the multiple layers of uh, text. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. I mean, do you have you seen uh, architectural horror a lot? In uh, uh... no, uh, I think the liminal horror is coming around as a uh, more recognizable term amongst people on yeah. the internet um, because, uh, like. <laughs> I get what you're saying with architectural horror and I do think it is distinct and I do think you're correct when you talk about it being about intent, Mm -hmm. but I think, um, liminal horror is, uh, sort of a misreading of that in some spaces. Yeah. Not every space because liminal horror is sort of the idea that like, if you leave something without human care and you don't invest any human meeting in a place, like the place that's solely meant to be passed through the beige walls, the back door, the, the night high school that goes on forever because it never opens up, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. That's when evil creeps in some sort of evil from a lack of definition. Yeah. uh, Rather than an attempt maligned. Um, But, you know, having, you know, (laughs) had a crash course in brutalism from you um, and uh, realizing the fundamental truth of that uh, Fred Armisen sketch where he plays the architect Fuchs. <laughs> yeah. Who's just like, I want you to feel like shit, <laughs> like LaGuardia airport. Yeah. Like he's just walking around it and cringing and it's like miserable. And yeah. like, yeah, I think a part of it is just like not recognizing is like those spaces have intent too. yeah. The intent of never letting anyone sit down or mm-hmm. sleep Hostile. or rest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, hostile yeah the yeah. intent of motive. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's like I think liminal come is coming about it from the same place, but like sort of making a fundamental category error mm-hmm. in why those places uh, have such an emotional effect on people. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah. Another the, the uh, architectural horror is about like yeah. There are two aspects of it. One is the a a good intent being corrupted by decay or you know some sinister person coming over and hijacking it or whatever selenium girders yeah the the the, <laughs> uh, the haunted house thing as i mentioned um the the shining you know is a classic example because it's like oh this is a resort where people have a nice time and the, oh wait there's evil decadence beneath the, the and then like oh a family's coming here and being corrupted by the in the man yeah uh, but the other version of architectural horror is like it's literally designed as a as a uh, with malevolent intent. 
uh, Cube and uh, the fucking Saw movies. Like Saw movies are very architectural because like he's uh, taking advantage of the decay of the industrial sector to build fucking death traps. Ninety uh, percent of that fucking city saw trap. I swear <laughs> to God. Yeah. No wonder he can't be stopped. Their yeah. entire economy would tank. Like yeah. you know how many real estate contracts are just wrapped up and having like a weird vat of acid with like a keypad at the bottom of it, like for a businessman who doesn't appreciate his wife. Like, I mean, it sucks to kill that guy, but what are you going to do? Like uh, downtown would collapse. We'd lose the riverfront project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the other, the third feature is, uh, so it's one of those two things. And then also it has to, in a space that it couldn't happen elsewhere. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that, that is a very basic definition of architectural horror for me in liminal spaces. Yeah, you're right. It's about abandonment, decay, uh, and just, uh, you know, I think honestly, I think there, there, you could make a case that liminal horror is also a fear of procedural generation of like algorithms and, uh, uh, you know, systems creating things without human intent or like it's about like systems without a cre- uh, you know absent systems uh uh running on their own yeah like, I, I think uh, it's also about like the atomization of space mm-hmm. uh and the alienation that causes and um the difficulty of having delineation in the modern world like yeah my home is not different from my work it's oh, the same place yeah. like my weekday is no different than my weekend. Uh, I play games mm-hmm. and pursue leisure on the same thing. I, you know, grind away to make sure I don't starve on like it's all, everything is one thing like, and mm-hmm. that is more and more the case. There's, you know, fewer privacy barriers. There's fewer, uh, you know, uh, any labels of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's good and liberating in a lot of ways, but uh, your brain doesn't work that way. Your brain's designed to like go around one little village and maybe the five miles around it for your entire life until you die. And like, there's things that happen over there and things that happen over here and things you do in this situation and not in this situation. And that's sort of comforting to human beings. Mm-hmm. And uh, capitalism does not give a shit because it's all part of the machine, baby. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, this is. Yeah, like I said, there's overlap, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I very much wanted. So I uh, that was actually something that I, that occurred to me while I was writing the night clerk, and I was like, oh shit, I need to write about the intent. Like, like this place was built for a reason, and this this uh, uh, this reason was then hijacked by you know a human, you know, cosmic force created it, and now a human is hijacking it for their own purposes, and now you're you're just trapped, and uh, you gotta fucking deal with it. Um, Holiday and Express is act. <laughs> Has activated the negative zone. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna save so much on construction costs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I did include the map uh, that I originally created for Ruin for the Sleep Easy Inn, um, which is the name that I use for the hotel uh, that you your characters check into, um, and uh, that that map is of course. Uh, based on the infamous uh, Fear the Con Hotel we stayed at, uh, so that 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 made it, baby. Um, <laughs> God, that was a weird hotel. Yeah, no, it was, and and, and it's. Uh, um, I think part of it is also like the, some of the horror of architectural horror is like knowing that there's intent, but not knowing what it is. Like hearing weird voices in the distance. There's like a group of people meeting and chanting somewhere or like having a fucking religious revival meeting somewhere like, uh, uh, but didn't that happen in there? Or was there? Oh yeah. And then when we looked it up, it had been torn down because we looked it up when we heard it was torn down, but the Google earth had not fully updated. So like when you, (laughs) when you panned, it was there in one shot and then you went to the next and it was like a hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. It was very much, yeah. yeah, the, the bartender decays in front of you. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And I think they built a new hotel on the same site. Uh, so, Oh man. The I, I think, I bet they think they did. <laughs> I bet they think that's a new hotel. Oh uh-huh. God. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, yeah, and, and and so that that that's kind of the. Uh, see so what else did I add? Uh, obviously, oh, one thing I did, I, I I had fun doing was um like the basic thing is the hotel room. Like characters can enter in hotel rooms, and like at eventually there'll be like pocket universes as they gather more clue points, and you could you could throw in little adventures elsewhere and stuff like that. 
Um, but I said like, oh, you could just get a standard hotel room. Here's some ideas of things that they could find in the hotel room. Like maybe they find the evidence that another survivor barricaded themselves in and wrote notes. And like, you could turn the TV on and see what's on TV. And obviously it's really fucking weird and stuff like that. But like later on, I said, oh, you could present variations of the room. Like, uh, and here's some ideas and like, oh, it could be abandoned. It could be under construction. It could be like this. It could be like that. And, uh, I created art for that. So I, I, uh, was having fun with the idea of like, um, just take basic details and just provide like variations for people to work with. Um, because I think that's a lot of the scenarios kind of overlook just, uh, uh, little details like that, like the little connective tissues of just like random, like, like my minor things, like a lot of scenarios I think are focused on the big set piece scenes and the big investigate characters. And they forget like in order to do this like thing, you need to have like interesting stuff in between the big moments. Right. Like, yeah, you can kind of do a version of this. I haven't seen it systemless, but like the labyrinth is basically a scenario less campaign. Oh, for Delta green. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's, it's a, um, campaign agnostic side plot generator yeah within the setting of delta green so it's it can limit itself in that regards and specificity and it can include some specific you know antagonists and stat blocks and stuff Mm -hmm. but the entire premise is for nothing in there to serve as like the sole plot of any one campaign it's just a you know recurrent thing that pops up every once in a while that keeps coming back you know it's a it's a it's a B plot that becomes an A plot, uh, you know, without the uh, GM's express planning. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You can do things like that as well. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So like, like maybe m- maybe the night clerk is not your campaign. Maybe you opened a weird door. Yeah. And you ended up there. And that's this session. Yeah. Yeah. That's very much the idea with the night clerk is that um, it's meant to be a one or maybe a two part adventure. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I did not like you. You wake up in the hotel. It's fucking weird. You, you need to get out and here's how you can mm-hmm. get out. Um, and here's what will be in your way. Um, but yeah, like the labyrinth had a lot of things of like at the beginning, like especially uh, there's like an escalation system, right? Like, a, yeah, the labyrinth is structured with like a, a basic breakdown of every organization. The plot is based around mm-hmm. and then everything after you establish like the characters and their motivations is like act one, act two, act three. Like, yeah. yeah. As as you deal with these people, here's how it is to lure players in. Yeah. Here's how it is when you complicate things, and here's how it becomes its own sort of climax. But is yeah. that that connective tissue? The fact that they have like from yeah, like you know, yeah, uh, the first act all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. A lot of RPG scenarios tend to leave out, like especially in the middle part, right? Like you know how it starts and you know how it ends, but uh, things happen. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, the labyrinth is sort of the the ending is sort of left in in some of them. Yeah, uh, the most ambiguous, like. Yeah. Uh, how you're going to deal with this shit. Like, but uh, yeah, yeah, it is uh, interesting. How and so that's, uh, that's what I, that was the idea with the room mm-hmm. variations section yeah. is to, like create like more like here's things like we, we could start out. Oh, it's weird. And you're trapped. And then at the end, Oh God, Cosmic core. Like I needed like to add things that were increasingly weird without like uh, going too far in one direction. You know, you don't want to ramp things up too much. And like, oh God, we're trapped. Oh God, there's Cthulhu. Yeah, the problem with any procedural plot generator is that there's no procedure that's going to follow an act structure and Mm -hmm. no one's going to recognize it as a satisfying story without one. Yeah. That's why even in things that have like sort of procedural plot generation, act structures are sort of ingrained at the metagram. So fiasco, for instance, you never know what your fiasco game is going to be totally about aside what the playset says. Yeah. But the playset is going to restrict the themes and extremity of all of the possibilities of the cards or the dice roll and whatever addition you're using based on what act you're in, because mm-hmm. it knows you want to have a satisfying plot arc Yeah, in whatever you come up with. So mm-hmm. like that, that is the trick in any kind of roll a D 20. You're in that room now and yeah. map it out. Like, because if you just do that forever, that doesn't reach anything satisfying. So you got to find ways to be like, that doesn't work anymore or put a clock on it Mm -hmm. or find some way to um, escalate things further. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, and that was the thing that like, uh, uh, I was, one of the challenges of writing this was, um, 
I wanted to have like a lot of zines are like very a lot of the OSR and uh, NSR new school renaissance stuff like uh, games like Fist and like Merc- Merkborg and so on and so forth. Like they love zine scenarios and like a lot of them really rely on the procedural stuff like random generators for all the major elements and like that can get you part of the distance, but it, it felt like not enough. Yeah, know? I'm going to include some of that stuff yeah. in Red Markets, but um I'm paring down most of that stuff in anything like the core book. Yeah. Because yeah, that's not really how I design scenarios. Like, like even my shifts now, I don't really like to make them all truly random. I like Mm -hmm. to, you know, like do something, give myself a chance to advance a larger plot or a character's Mm -hmm. arc, um, when I can. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, you don't need a lot. A little goes a long way. And sometimes they, um, in an excuse to get another two page spread of art yeah, 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 with white font on black background. Uh, yeah. they make another D 66 for something that I could have just made up on the fly and will probably anyway, rather than try and find that page. I mean, <laughs> yeah, some, yeah. some good, ta- the best tables though, are the ones that you just like, don't roll on. You just like look through them for ideas or grab like mm-hmm. the one entry is really cool. And you're like, ah, that's the one. And that, um, like that's, I do have some random tables, like the ideas, uh, uh, in the scenario, you can find artifacts that look normal, but they have weird properties they are like to- cold to the touch or, you know, they do something weird. So, you know, they have powers mm-hmm. and you have to spend clue points to find out what the powers are and how mm-hmm. to use them. Uh, and they only work in the, in the, in the labyrinth. So the idea is once you leave and like, um, one of the things I did was, uh, you know, fantasy rpgs like magic items are just good like magic swords just cut through things they they set things on fire they're just universally better but like one thing i like in horror video games like resident evils a lot of the plot items are dependent on the plot like it's a weapon to take down a specific monster or to do a specific MacGuffins. in that yeah MacGuffins, but like they give you like a uh not like they solve the plot they give you a shot at like, yeah 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 so like uh some of the artifacts are like protection against the mystery guest like you like you can't be teleported by yeah them. locks and keys yeah. in video game parlance not just locks and keys. i can't tackle the yeah. m- kill the mystery person quest until i have something that kills a mystery person <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah but not like a binary thing but like they it gives you like a a fighting chance against the monster, but like not like you're invulnerable against the monster and it like it only works against the monster. So if like you find a crazed survivor with a gun, you're still like facing yeah. a you know uh, a person with a gun. Um and yeah, so that was sort of my idea with that. And like, yeah, there's random there's random tales for that, but obviously it's easy to make it up. And um, yeah, I didn't want to go too far one way or the other. Like, uh, so we'll see, you know, how it does in terms of its uh, uh, thing. Um, I guess the only other thing is, uh, you know, do you think you're going to be writing any zine products like uh, in the future? Does that aesthetic uh, uh, or conciseness uh, appeal to you? Uh, I mean, yes, if I, if I had something that would like fit there, mm-hmm. maybe, but, um, I don't know when I, when I think of like making a game, it's either very much like experience first and then the, the book sort of designs itself based on play tests or mm-hmm. like, I kind of see the book and I go backwards from there and like, Maybe I haven't had enough like familiarity with zines and things like that, but um, I feel like that's not the kind of publication I'm going to shine in because, quite frankly, uh, I don't have art skills mm-hmm. and I don't have layout skills, uh, and I'm very bad at both of those things. I need to hire people. Um, now I think I could write words for a zine that would look very cool, mm-hmm. but I think the percentage of my responsibility of making that look cool would be so much dramatically lower than um, something like, you know, red markets or, or uh, phase anatomy where I'm doing like art direction, designing the layout of the book and the structure of how you read it. And so, yeah, I I haven't really thought of it. Um, And, you know, and me particularly, it's, I'm not against it by any means. Um, But yeah, I also see people putting out zines that, that probably that probably could have been a PDF, man. <laughs> like, um, I mean, Nightclerk will be also a PDF as well as a zine, but yeah. 
also like, and and this might be old man fistic clouding, but like, <laughs> you know, because I was not around for like early punk and like the days of zines or anything close to like that. I just I had to look at that as a dead culture that we were all desperately trying to emulate in the Midwest to have yeah. anything other than shit kicker stuff to do. But um, to that end, zines came around because they were like a chimp, a cheap printing like xerox yeah. technology and like now it's just turning into vinyl and like oh <laughs> like you people want to be record people but for rpg i can't oh my god <laughs> are we gonna bring <laughs> are we gonna bring back hipster as a pejorative because like i, I want to call already you in the scene I, I just i'm just saying it's <laughs> oh god what a Hey, here's a 44 page zine. Cool. How much is it? $40. It's matte black, like vinyl paging, full color. Yeah. I spent 40,000 on art and I just going to be like, it's 44 pages, man. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not going to spend that much. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, yeah. So yeah, it's probably my old man shakes fistic cloud thing, but uh, uh, I yeah. like it when it's like, I like it when it's mothership first. Like I hand drew this. Mm -hmm. It's written in like courier new, <laughs> like very hard font. Like it's very punk rock aesthetic. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the increasing slickness of it is not something I can do. Yeah. And then is not something I'd be adding a ton of value to, I think. Yeah. Okay. Because I think uh, Red Markets could do some like supplement zine like scenarios. I, I'd be fine. Yeah, there. scenarios that'd be fine. But yeah. like, yeah, or like supplements like new monsters or yeah, whatever yeah. gear. Yeah. Um, I mean, because yeah, I think uh, uh, um, you know, I am thinking about like after Nightclub to work on Base Raider Second Edition, and I think like after that, I would do a line of like zine supplements, like new bases and you know items or villains and that kind of thing antagonists um yeah uh, i mean i mean the other that's thing that's in the far future, the other yeah. thing is like actual price like especially if you're not black and white yeah like the economies of scale for printing a zine versus like just using an eight and a half by 11 perfect bound on dtrpg yeah. like as a guy who scrapes by doing this I can't make that math work, especially for like a scenario that, to a core actually book. cheaper than, I mean, I if they're look, black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, even the color ones in like mix AM are not that bad per copy. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you do, yeah. Uh, uh, limited print runs. I mean, we'll see, we'll but, but like yeah. my math is also like, okay, it's a zine. It's an artistic object. Yeah. It's, it's intentionally marketed as an artistic object. Um, especially with like layout and stuff. People expect like not every page to have a, like necessarily uniform layout and mm -hmm. most of the zines I've seen that do very well. Uh, and you know, of you know, varied layout, varied boxes, varied art. Uh, you're also like, I feel like you're upping your price per page considering I have to hire all that shit out. Yeah. And the only person I can stiff on the check is me. Yeah. Like words is the only thing I get cheaper, man. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. everything else is like price per page. You'd be surprised how many zines use public domain art. Uh, <laughs> I would not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would not at all. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing, like limited for red market. Yeah. So like I'm commissioning all that. I can't find a woodcut print of when the casualties attacked. That's going to be appropriate. Oh, for you, you just have to be more creative about it. <laughs> I ha yeah. Uh -huh. No, I know. I know. I get it. I get it. Like uh, there's a reason why zines are like things like Morkborg, which have yeah. the, their, their source material have a lot more uh, public domain sources. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there is a, a, like a really good Google sheet. Someone put together of all the public domain and royalty free art you can find on the internet. It's like, like eight, eight sheets there's like fucking 500 links in the in this google sheet i'll send it to you but like i'll put a link in the the show notes um it's pretty neat uh it's like i will not pay for gra art for my art zine you know or something like that yeah i guess yeah. that's another thing like yeah. i mean i i think i could definitely probably design a zine from that direction like if yeah. i started there i think that, yeah like, probably something i do. found a trove of something and i could write around that i think mm -hmm. i might be able to do that but like i have I got plenty of ideas before I go fishing around in the public. That's fair. Archives. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, one of my white whale ideas, uh, I've never quite satisfied. I know of a great source of artwork. Uh, well, actually they're photos, but um, that I really want to turn into an RPG project, but I don't know quite what to do. And I keep every like six months. I like, well, maybe this is like now fuck. 
um, there is this uh, photographer, John Margulies, who did roadside Americana and he photographed every like fucking giant golf ball or whale or Paul Bunyan, like gas station all over the fucking country and uh, thousands of photos. And they were all scanned at high resolution. This is all like a film camera, uh, you know, back then. And they're all the Library of Congress bought the entire collection, made them all public domain. Nice. And so you can get print resolution uh, image files like, you know, 300 DPI tiffs, like 80 meg uh, high res images of all these beautiful like uh, locations like, you know, very, you know, most of them are gone now, obviously. But like and it's just like, what the fuck can I do with this? Uh, I got to do something. And I just yeah. I, I was like, yeah, this is maybe this is anything get halfway through the I was like, no, that doesn't work. And then like, yeah, <laughs> I repeat the process. <laughs> but yeah, maybe one day I'll come up with it. But like, uh, not yet. Probably if I only I'd known about that one road trip, I was working on road trip for Monster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Road trip sequel. Like, uh, yeah. Haunted uh, fucking gas stations. Go go punch them. Um, don't don't give Shane that idea. It's going to turn into a Pelgrane book. Oh, no. Oh, but I'm yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, uh, night clerk, uh, it's coming out, uh, I think September 4th, uh, I'll click on the backer kit thing to get notified when launch. Obviously I'll, I'll post more about this as we get closer. It'll go for a month, uh, $10 for the PDF 20 for the, the print version. Um, and, uh, then there'll be deluxe versions with bonus podcasts. We'll be doing some cool stuff with that. And, um, yeah, not much in, uh, not much in the way. Stre- well, we'll be doing, uh, uh, conversion guides as stretch goals, like free little conversion guides. So they stuff. do uh stretch goals for, yeah, for backer but, kit. Yeah. Backer kit. Uh, so far the, the, the camp, the back end has been pretty easy. Like, Is it a time limited campaign? Is it like yeah, 30 you, days? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can specify like mm-hmm. how long will it start it here? Start end it mm-hmm. here. Uh, you can specify stretch goals, um, add in art and video, obviously. And, uh, yeah, so far it's been pretty seamless. Um, they got a DM function for the death threats or are people uh, going to have to put that live uh, in the comments? Yeah, probably, probably in the comments. I, yeah. well, I mean, Kickstarter does both. That's yeah, the best yeah, part yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll fucking find out any way I, they can to yeah. get the death threats to your door. Boy, yeah. 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 Uh, cause back kit will handle like shipping ca- cost calculating. So like, I won't have to figure that out. Uh, so. So yay for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it'll be a bold experiment. Um, and uh, yeah, before we go, uh, yeah. How, how is Red Market second edition going along? Uh, it's pretty good. Um, we are into our, I think our 11th, 10th game overall. And we played our eighth game in the campaign last night. Um, I've got drafts. And by that, I mean like the one page summaries that, is I'm basically making the quick start handouts first mm-hmm. and then redesigning all of the chapters backwards from that one page. Everything is going to be, you know, an illumination of all those terms and that single procedure. Um, but the hard rules of all that stuff, I think we're done. Everything left is soft rules. Like mm-hmm. how do you design a score now? How do you make an enclave now? You know, improv procedures rather than the dice mean this or add this many points or yeah certainly you know. it seems designing the second edition updating the second edition seems to be going a lot smoother than the first edition uh there's certainly a lot less dead ends yeah. um I, that's why it's i'm really iterative yeah not that's why i'm really worried about hitting one uh but um yeah the inventory was a big uh hurdle and that seemed to work well. And negotiation was, by the way. And negotiation was the crucible, but it, it, people seem to keep enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is easier to run on my end, so that's good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a matter of testing it because it is a system with leveling and long-term progression. Um, and so now my struggle is, uh, I'm not going to stop talking about it, but uh, you know, just continue testing it over and over and over again without adding new things yeah um which takes time and that's annoying but i gotta finish writing the chapters in the first place so Mm -hmm. yeah uh progress goes apace uh it's just not gonna look like it from the outside because everything takes forever yep but you can listen to the actual play campaign sunrise that i'm a player in it's very entertaining very entertaining. i'm enjoying it so far yeah no so am i uh and and also the characters have reached reached the uh part of the campaign where their clown shoes yeah 
uh, original character idea. They've spent enough time in their shoes that now it's turning into like Othello. Yeah. And everyone's getting dramatic with their. <laughs> and that's good. That's always fun to see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When uh, they- the unseen Chupacabra has a character arc. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Uh, the thing I do in every campaign. Yeah. Well, not every campaign. No, you were right the first time. <laughs> Damn. Fucking got me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. We'll have links in the show notes to your Patreon where you can uh, listen to all these episodes and uh, get the beta rules now. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, check out the night clerk. Uh, it'll be uh, uh, click on that uh, notification thing. And uh, yeah, we'll be seeing you uh, in. We'll, we'll, we'll be taking your reservation any day now. Uh, uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. I didn't know you needed both of us to say bye. Bye. Yeah. I'm, I'm also saying bye. I thought it was a soon. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's Ross Payton. I'm talking into a microphone and getting those sweet, sweet levels. All right. How are you doing, Caleb? I'm also trying to talk into a microphone, but my my little pop filter doesn't want to stay up. Damn you. Yeah, you can just take it off if it's... Yeah, I need to get a new one. But what if I pop? I, I, what will filter it? <laughs> That's true. What will filter it? Um, yeah. We'll be powerless. You will be powerless. <laughs>